Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. YouTube family, click the link and subscribe as we recap Liverpool versus Manchester United. Let's go. Eric Ten Hag has his first victory as Manchester United manager and what a win it was. Goals from Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford fired the Red Devils into a two-goal lead against Liverpool. And despite another Mohamed Salah goal against the Reds, their great rivals never really looked like nicking the three points. A Jurgen Klopp side, the new crisis team among the big six. Is this the blueprint for United under Ten Hag? And what does that mean for Cristiano Ronaldo? Joining me to recap tonight's events is Michael Lahoud. Welcome to Kegolasso. Michael Lahoud, absolutely buzzing. If I take people behind the scenes of our WhatsApp chat, I was warning you how I would rib you mercilessly. I have no dog in this fight, but I was—we, I think we were all eagerly awaiting an absolutely horrible night for Manchester United fans again. It was what the internet wanted. It's what the country and the world wanted, or nearly all of the world, but not you, Mike Lahoud. How does it feel to finally not be humiliated by Liverpool? Well, there's a saying on social media that the internet is undefeated. Not anymore. Internet, you take the big L because United get the big W. I am over the moon, ecstatic. I even had to drink two cups of coffee before the game just to get up for this one. I kicked every ball at the team, and I'd like to think that that helped the team get off the line, but probably did nothing for him. I'm just so happy today. It's one of the biggest wins in the last couple of years, especially given the gravitas of what could have gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, we have to say, you know, let's start by recapping the, the the scene beforehand. Manchester United were not quite bottom of the table anymore because they'd scored a goal and West Ham United hadn't. But, you know, a defeat would have sent them bottom of the Premier League table after three games. Crisis was looming large. Eric Ten Hag had decided to drop Cristiano Ronaldo. Meanwhile, and, and Harry Maguire, so the club captain and the uh, top goal scorer from last season. Meanwhile, outside the ground, Fans were protesting in uh, mm. that inimitable fashion that English fans always do, that you wonder how effective it is. Uh, they were protesting by walking to the game they were going to anyway. Although it has to be said, you know, a lot of noise made for that global viewing audience. I think we all know how Old Trafford feels about the Glazer family. Mm. But going into this game, it was crisis stations for Manchester United, wasn't it, Mike? <laughs> I mean, you know, before yeah. we dive too deep into the contest... Hand on heart, what were you expecting tonight? I was, LME and I were talking about this. I was actually expecting United to get a positive result. I was leaning more towards a a goal-filled draw, maybe 1-1 or 2-2, because I think this Liverpool team 
was vulnerable coming in, not just the injuries, but because of their form. And United, when they've gone up against Liverpool, minus last year, they've actually played them relatively well. And last year was just a farce. That was crap. Let's just call it for what it was. 5-0, 4-0. 5-0 at Old Trafford was humbling. But given the matchups, and I'm circling Trent Alexander-Arnold, I was positive and upbeat because he's been the scapegoat for a lot of other teams to identify and go after after two matches going into this match. Yeah, I think we will come on to talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold and Virgil van Dijk and the the defence as a whole because I think it deserves a a section of its own. And, you know, I, I have to say I come out of this game thinking more in I think there's a more interesting conversation about Liverpool and where they are mm. than Manchester United because I have to say you know my view on this would be that actually what they delivered is, is just kind of what you expect from a team in, in a derby it was intensity it was hard running it was commitment to get to 50-50 balls and we have to say you know for a long time Manchester United fans have not seen that from their players and I think that's how you ended up at Old Trafford in that virtuous circle the fans responded to the energy, that fan response that created more energy around Old Trafford. And, and suddenly there was fearlessness where so often United players look look fearful. Um, you know, that, that then translates, of course, to, to that early pressure, especially down the, uh, down the United left, the Liverpool right. And that's where we see that goal coming from. A magnificent, a magnificent finish from Jadon Sancho. The composure to sit Alisson down, for Virgil <laughs> van Dijk to be stood 10, 10 feet away, seemingly awestruck by Sancho's quick feet. Trent Alexander-Arnold is wandering back into play. But, you know, Ella, uh, Mike, you know, question there that's on, on the screen. How big was that Jaden Sancho goal in terms of turning the tide and giving Old Trafford belief that this would be a night to remember? It was massive. And Alanga deserves all the credit in setting that up because moments before he had just missed a golden opportunity. Third man running from midfield was how they broke them down and really playing to their strengths. This is how Manchester United under Ole and before Mourinho or sorry, after Mourinho with Ole broke teams down. It was on the counter. It was using the pace of wingers. At the time, Martial was playing the nine, and Marcus Rashford was using his pace alongside Mason Greenwood. Alanga comes in, Rashford at that number nine position, and as soon as it got to Christian Eriksen or Bruno Fernandez, it was just route one. It was as soon as that ball sits in the pocket to Fernandez, it was just a first-time ball around the corner to Rashford, and that stretches Liverpool's back line. On the goal itself, Alanga deserves a lot of credit. He sets up his man in Trent Alexander-Arnold, baits him in, and then Christian Eriksen measures that pass to perfection to spring him in. It has to be said, I didn't think Eriksen needed to measure that pass very well because Alexander-Arnold just stopped. And he didn't start again for 10 seconds. No, he, he's a player who has had a rough start to this 2022-23 Premier League season. And as I said before, he's been targeted by teams, and rightfully so, because offensively, you know what you're going to get from him. I mean, he can, he can put whatever service, his range of passing, is finishing in the final third. But at the end of the day, he's a right back. And in the Premier League, there's going to be teams switching some of their best attackers on his side. We've seen European teams do that to success in the last couple seasons, and we saw United do that tonight. I thought the off the ball running from United was brilliant. And at, at times it was almost automatic. And Jurgen Klopp, I would say, got out coached by Ten Hog tonight. And it's down to the players for buying in. I know you're laughing, Benj, but he got out coached by him. Well, 
I mean, I, I'm not sure it was out coaching, really. I, 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 I think because it, it didn't feel to me like United had done that much different. There was obviously there was a few, we'll come on to talk maybe about the, the tactical changes. But for me, it, it felt like, I mean, Klopp didn't set his team out to be this listless, to be this slow. And I mean, you know, we, we, we mentioned the goal there just to jump back in time. There was that moment and, um, you know, came up in the, the UK commentary, Jamie Carragher, CBS analyst on Sky Sports said when Anthony Alanga hit the post early on, he was just saying, where's Trent? Where's Trent? Um, you know, already <laughs> l- launched a dozen memes. And that first half hour, we've seen Trent Alexander-Arnold play poorly before mm. in a Liverpool shirt defensively. And I always say this, and, you know, I put out this tweet during the game. Trent Alexander-Arnold is so good offensively that you have to accept the defensive deficiencies that come with his game. I'm sure you agree, Mike. There is no Absolutely. reason to drop Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm not suggesting that, that Liverpool need to do that. My question is, why is he not improving defensively? Because there's no real sign of it. You know, these are the same errors that we've seen from Alexander-Arnold for years. You know, he stops paying attention. He's too easily turned. Uh, some of these are, are effort things. With Van Dyke, you know the, the the baffling way he defended that that goal, his his struggles mm. against Fulham and Palace. We've seen years and years and years of him being the best centre back in the world, or one of, and we've seen three games where he's been off defensively. He gets the benefit of my doubt. Don't know about you, mm. yeah. But Trent, like this does need to get better because teams are going to target it more and more and more and more if it stays the same and you know he, he, he clearly it needs to improve because he also doesn't have Jordan Henderson anywhere near the same form protecting him yeah well question from our fans how concerned should we be about Liverpool and their back four I think very concerned tonight Trent was left on an island because that relationship between he and Joe Gomez was a disaster for much of the game Joe Gomez you could you could run a bus down the M one through 16 if you will between that Liverpool back line, especially on their right-hand side, I thought Joe Gomez had a poor game, and that impacted Trent. Trent had a poor game in his own in that 1v1 matchup with Alanga, but Joe Gomez was was run ragged. He did he was all over the place. Between he and Van Dyke, they looked disconnected. Between he and Trent looked disconnected. Liverpool need to get back to basics, and I, I think it shows you the value of Fabinho, who came on late in the game, Fabinho is the shield, which allows Jordan Henderson to shift out right. And and Jordan Henderson, he just got run ragged. Bruno Fernandez was excellent playing between the lines, playing off the shoulder of Henderson, making that late run. And on the Alanga chance before the goal came, it was a Bruno Fernandez touch and late run that set it up for Alanga to, to potentially put United ahead. And it goes back to how significant the Jaden Sancho goal was because if Jaden Sancho doesn't put that away, Alanga hit the post. J- Sancho potentially misses it. Now Liverpool are, are, are off the hook. And I think what you're seeing with Liverpool's back line are teams are being efficient in front of goal. They're not letting Liverpool off the hook. This is still a Liverpool team that gives up chances. They, they've gave, given up chances in seasons past. And it's been down to brilliant goalkeeping or Van Dyke pulling a rabbit out of his hat to keep a zero or, or really get them out of a dire situation, and then the attackers come to life. Not tonight. Yeah, I think just a final word maybe on that defence. I think in particular someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, and we've alluded to this, he really benefits from settled players in front of him, a settled back line. This is the third centre-back he's had on his inside shoulder. It was uh, Matip, wasn't it, for the opening game? Mm, yeah. Then Nat Phillips, then Joe Gomez, who... 
looks a shadow of the player who I thought was going to marshal the England defence for a, a decade. So, I mean, I think if Liverpool can get some consistency there, that would help. Of course, we could say the same thing about midfield. Mike, you know, you you know that what it's like playing in the engine room. You know what it's like playing in these positions. What on earth was going on in that midfield? Jordan <laughs> Henderson couldn't pass the ball. James Milner seemed like he was only really there to shout at Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. I thought Harvey Elliott had quite a good game, yep. but only when Liverpool were on the front foot. He's definitely more of a number 10, I think, than a, a third central midfielder. Is this I, I just... Mean, is is there a way of making this midfield work without getting Thiago? And we should say, no Fabinho, no Thiago, no Naby Keita, no Alex injuries. Oxlade-Chamberlain, no Curtis Jones. There are a lot of good options that Liverpool are without, but I thought they had the quality, if Fabinho was there, to be fine in that area. It's strange to not have Fabinho. It's all very strange, wasn't it? Yeah, and when, you, when you're Tin Hag and you see the team sheet, you're going to be just over the moon because you're thinking, okay, these are beatable. And I, I was thinking that when I saw that midfield in particular, man for man, pound for pound with today's midfield, are you saying, is, is Erickson better than, than Jordan Henderson? Yes. Is Bruno Fernandez bring more quality than mm. Harvey Elliott? Question over mm. that? I, I think so. In my book, <laughs> we're going to take the English, England national team biases aside. I think so, Benj. In terms of qual- overall quality, I, I think so. And, and maybe that's me and my caffeine talking tonight but in overall quality that McT- that that united midfield i thought united had the slighter edge and they won the midfield battle that was what made the difference i thought their commitment to get behind the ball was excellent and marcus rashford running himself into the ground that was a marcus rashford we hadn't seen in a while and the second goal was pivotal for his confidence he gets 1v1 and anthony uncle tony martial coming back from injury sun kissed from Spain, having his time from Sevilla, and he impacted the game. He gave Liverpool something totally different to to worry about, sets up the second goal, and when Rashford gets in, there was a a nervy moment where you thought, please, do not miss this, and he gives Allison the eyes and makes it 2-0, and that turns out to be the game winner. That was that, and like you said earlier in the, the show, that was classic United of the of the Ole era, wasn't it? You know, they've soaked up the pressure. I think we should say, you know, Liverpool had all the possession. Everyone that's talking about sprint stats, there's a reason Manchester United sprinted an awful lot more. Is they hardly saw the ball, and when they did, they were counter attacking. But it, I thought they soaked up the pressure quite well. Lissandro Martinez, what a what a performance by oh, him! He's incredible. made a few people uh, eat their words and then raise sharp finishing but the sort that I think like you said we don't trust from from Rashford and we don't trust from Martial anymore I, th- I thought for all that Fernandez obviously caught the eye for his hydronics uh, he was he got one yellow for a dive yeah. and was lucky to get not get a second for, for holding on to the ball and riling up Liverpool defenders I thought in spite of all that he was quite good is this just how good Manchester United can be when they don't play that number seven that slows everything down? I think it's it's a glimpse of how good they can be when their back line is intact. I thought the solidarity of their back line, yes, what they did offensively and playing to their strengths is one thing. But when everyone shows commitment, this is a United team that when their minds are in it, they're a completely different team. Against Brent and and when De Gea keeps it simple and just kicks the ball along, don't try and overcomplicate it. This was a big game for him as well. To yes, he gave up the goal and I was gutted for him because big I, saves. I, I think 
I, I think that, you know, it's a bummer because it, it over, it didn't, well, fortunately it didn't overshadow the big saves he made late on. There are a couple saves where it's like, okay, this guy looks to be back to himself. And against Brentford, it was, it was disturbing to see how one goal they gave up two goals. It was time to warm up the bus three goals. It was, I was thinking, geez, you might get relegated if these guys don't turn it around mentally. But tonight it looked like a unified team moments that I, I think about Lissandra Martinez, that goal line saving block on Bruno Fernandez, who I, I think was shooting at Allison in that one moment, because it just boggled my mind how that ball hit off his foot. But Martinez had an amazing game seeing defenders high five that camaraderie. I think it just showed you how much these players wanted and needed this game to get the W. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I think as as much as you, I mean, you know, the camaraderie and all that was great, but I think really you hit the nail on the head about what made United work today with that point about De Gea. And this was really, I thought, a game where Ten Hag set his players, told his players to do the things he knew Ten Hag they, they mm. could do. Yes, De Gea had that howler against Brentford, but we know he's a an adequate shot stopper. Yeah. I think he, he he's maybe one of those camera goalkeepers who makes the easy <laughs> ones look more difficult for the world's audience. But he, he is certainly not a bad shot stopper. He is bad if you ask him to play out from the back. So Ten Hag didn't. And I think every single one of his goal kicks went long. And actually, the one thing we have to say, because he kicks it long fairly frequently, but he doesn't find teammates. He did he did tonight. United players, as you said, they were up for the fight. They were winning the first balls and the second balls. But it was really, it, it did seem like Ten Hag was willing to deviate from that formula. We didn't see intricate build-up play. I think Christian Eriksen, other than, as you said, that passing the build-up to the first goal, a lot of what he was doing was set pieces and watching the ball kind of sail over his head or <laughs> sail past him as as it flew forward. That, that to me, I think is what's interesting there is, is, is that sustainable? And maybe we can kind of, as we, as we wind down our reaction, we can come to talk about what this means going forward for Manchester United and for Liverpool. Is this in any way, or in, in what way is this a template and hard can look up and his team come up against opponents that won't dominate the ball, that won't have 70% mm. possession? You know, is this sustainable? Is this a replicable approach where Manchester United is expected to win and have all the ball? I think it's a sustainable approach when you play top six teams because they will want the ball. They will want to dominate possession. They will want to be intricate. This was the Liverpool team that, though shorthanded, you saw Mohamed Salah drifting off that 
right-hand side and centrally almost playing left. He had a free role in ways that we haven't seen him before for Liverpool. He seemed the brightest spot. Bobby Firmino seemed lacking in confidence and and just sharp and heavy-legged. And for United, I think of the likes of Rafael Varane. He looked more like the Varane that came from Real Madrid, that played for Madrid, who is a masterclass and specialist in being able to soak up pressure which teased it up for the counterattack when he was at Madrid. I think of the likes of Malasia. I thought he had a great game. We should probably come on to talk about it because in all the excitement, it kind of got lost that Casemiro, uh, Rafael Varane's teammate, Casemiro, is joining up with him now. You know, watching that that game, I, I couldn't help but think, hey, you know, Scott McTominay's still not that good, but you've got a guy there that could partner Christian Eriksen in, in midfield very nicely. I mean, look, we we saw that there are big issues at Manchester United off the pitch that the result doesn't address. It was notable both times that United scored. When Liverpool scored that late goal through most pretty much every five minutes, what we were hearing was, we want the Glazers out. And Casemiro, welcome to Old Trafford. (laughs) What I'm hearing is a lot of, we want, you know, Glazers out chance at his unveiling. And I think we kind of have to, we have to kind of, remember all that, that that these things don't get solved in 90 minutes and that there are big existential issues but equally you know there are opportunities for this team to get better in that in that front three if it's Anthony or Cody Gakpo or whoever mm. a bit of quality off the bench or or among the starters um how do you suddenly feel now has this has this changed much do you think I mean, I know you were joking about, let's be frank, joking about being title contenders. Does does this still feel like, I mean, to me, this still feels like a team that is, that the best case scenario is sixth. The worst case is is probably eighth or ninth. I mean, do you, are you more optimistic than that? I'm, it's too early to tell. It's one game. It's a massive psychological shift. What I, what I can tell you is that we're not, the, the, the dumpster fire has been put out, extinguished mostly. Mm. There's still that bit of a dumpster fire with Ronaldo and his situation that still looms, and the 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 dark cloud of that still looms over the team. I, I think it was excellent by Tin Hog to bench him alongside Harry Maguire. You still have to address the problem of those two players, and with Maguire linked to Chelsea, get him out, get him out, get him out. Bring whoever, get him out for free. You, you, a club, your club, we'll use them for example, right? Arsenal. Last season had massive problems, had players on high wages who were, do they want to be there? Do they not? Their effort, they were becoming problems. And Arteta and Edu do what? Get them out of the club. Two of them for free. And you have to take that hit for the long-term success of a young team and and a group of players who, if, if they have a leader who, like Bruno Fernandez with the captain's armband on, United look like a different team. This is Bruno's team, and I think as long as Ten Hag identifies that and as long as he brings in pieces that are going to be able to play with Fernandez, you talk about the the recipe for success against other teams. It's identifying whose team is this. Is it Bruno's team? Is it Maguire's team? I sure hope not. Is it Ronaldo's team? Because that needs to be ironed out before they move forward into the next match. Yeah, I mean, certainly this was an advertisement and a reminder of how much better on on the ball Fernandez can be without Ronaldo and for whatever reason that doesn't work. And I hope 
that the Portugal coaching staff, well, I, mean, I don't really care whether they were, but I'm sure the Portugal staff would do well to uh, to take notice of that as well and, and consider mm-hmm. which players are more important. And, and I mean, certainly I think they have better players than both uh, Bruno and Ronaldo in that Portugal national team. But for me, the, the thing that's really interesting coming out of this game is Liverpool, now below Manchester United in the table, five points off the uh, off Manchester City, seven points off the only unbeaten team in the league. Can't remember who that is. Mike, do you remember who that is? <laughs> um, yeah, that's enough. That's a long nice way to go. <laughs> you know, you see Virgil van Dijk and James Milner berating each other on the pitch. You yeah. see the injuries. I've kind of just started sketching this out in my head as something to write this evening. Is this going to be a return to the sort of lockdown title defence that was railroaded by injuries and railroaded by mm. you know difficulties for Liverpool? Is this just a freak? Is this just a you know as, as we've said all along, it's less than ten percent of the season played so far. Is this just a freak start to the? Is it just a little early season wobble for Liverpool, or is this bigger? What do you think? I think this is bigger. I, I think you identify players within your your club and team who sometimes you can misidentify what you're willing to let go and what you're willing to keep. I think the loss of Mane is understated by Jurgen Klopp and this club. I think they were winning so many games, they were pushing for titles on all fronts that you almost under underappreciate the player, the significance of a player like Sadio Mane. You see what he's doing at Bayern, although Bayern dominate the Bundesliga, but you, you see what he's doing in continental football in Africa, and he's finding goals. He's scoring goals. He brings the X factor in games like that tonight. Yes, if they had Darwin Nunez, could that have been a factor? Most likely. But with Mane, when Liverpool were playing at their worst at times, even when they won the title, it was Mane that got off the mark and won them games. He was the match winner in games where they were playing like crap. They don't have him anymore, and I think they're going to start getting found out because if Nunez doesn't show up, then Bobby Firmino, who's out of form, and will be out of favor when Nunez is healthy, you're going to put your responsibility of scoring goals and coming up with big moments on him. could be dicey. Yeah, and I, I mean, I thought actually for, for me as well, the player that kind of stood out for the wrong reasons was Luis Diaz. I mean, mm. the suspicion kind of when Liverpool let Mane go, we were all saying, well, they've already got their replacement. It was a really hot start from Nunez. It was uh, not Nunez from... Diaz, it was a start where yeah. he outperformed his expected goals by a huge margin. You know, he had been playing like the player that came from Porto that had been absolutely dominating the Portuguese league. But we all knew that didn't last, no matter how fast the start was. And I, you know, as you say, I think they really missed Mane's just spark. You know, going mm. back to that last game last season, it, that magnificent clip. He he played over the top for Salah, wasn't it, or whoever or for the, that goal, um, the second goal in the four yeah. 0 win, mm-hmm. not the five 0 Um, you know that, that, and there were a few players. Of course, they're missing Thiago as well. There's just a little bit of umph was was going out of this team. It felt like with Trent not having his best game offensively, and and Robertson as well, that there were players who might be able to get on the end of chances. Salah, Elliot, Firmino, even though he was kicking more of the air than the ball. But there wasn't really anyone to, to craft a way through. And, and for me, that's kind of 
that's a that is a bit of a worry and i don't necessarily think that we'll see immediately the diaz of of the end of last season and i think this will be more be more typical i mean look liverpool are definitely not in crisis i think in a few weeks time they'll be competing with manchester city for the title but i also think we have to bear in mind that the standards these two clubs set for each other this sort of wobble early in the season it's going to take a long time to to overcome it and to get back into into contention. So maybe, you know, after all that talk about Manchester United in crisis, Liverpool certainly aren't in crisis, but they're maybe the team that we need to keep a closer eye on in the next few weeks. Having said that, this is Manchester United Football Club. Sandal <laughs> Gary Neville. I am certain they will shoot themselves in the foot very soon. <laughs> well, well, question Mike, for you, Ben, before I'm we sign on, off. Yeah. I've been I've been dying because I as a final whistle blew after exhaling and re, almost reaching for a beer in the fridge. I thought, mm, you know what, let me save it for post-production beer. I thought about you and as an Arsenal fan, what are your what's your perception of this result? looking at Manchester United and also as an Arsenal fan in terms of a title contender is Liverpool. What's your perception? Has that changed? I mean, I like, you know, the the fan side of me died years ago covering the club. I think it's fair to say anyway, (laughs) but um, look, title contention is much, much too early and Arsenal are nowhere near that level. They just aren't, no matter. I mean, it is good for Arsenal that they're spunking the the teams that are probably going to be in the bottom half of the table. But, you know, very important not to get carried away. I think the reality of it is that they're in that rate, they're in that mix for top four, probably more so than I thought they might be, although I actually did think they'd finish fourth. But I think they're like a more serious contender. And I don't, I, I, I think this weekend as a whole, I mean, there's, there's been some good results here for Arsenal. Liverpool dropping points, you know, it, it'd be good for them to get dragged into this race. I don't see, I have to say, Mike, and, Almost there's that thing with United where because it's the derby or not the derby, it's because it's the, the, the Liverpool game. You kind of have to say, do I believe the intensity? I have to ask, do I believe that intensity will last? Will we see that mm-hmm. against Fulham? Will we see that against Aston Villa? Against, you know, I would say Leicester, but they're quite poor. <laughs> but, you know, teams yeah, of that yeah. level. Are we going to see more games like Brentford or more games like this? I kind of, I need to, and I need to be convinced, but certainly I think, I mean, what this, I think this weekend has probably shown us is that city are going to be a fair bit ahead of the pack, mm. but that maybe that pack might can have Liverpool at the top of it and Arsenal and Tottenham in and around. I feel quite good about Arsenal's chances of getting top four. I don't think yeah. finish Liverpool. I don't see that at all. I just think when this Liverpool team clicks, it's something else. It's it's a level that no other team can reach. But you are totally right that they really miss Mane. And if Thiago's out for a long time, oh. then I think there are problems. And that may that is maybe when they get drawn in, isn't it? You know, that, that, like they did a few years ago. Any thoughts on a great day for your Red Devils? <laughs> yeah, just um, as I said before the match, I just want to thank all the the player haters out there, including you, James Bench. Thank you, because you are the fuel to my Manchester United. Almost kissed the wrong badge. You are the fuel to my United fire. Thank you. You kept me up at night with that WhatsApp group text. For all you player haters out there, keep it coming. I hope you gas up United to climb up the table. And if not, I'm going to be really miserable the rest of the season. But today is a good day. 
Today is a good day if you're a Manchester United fan, but sadly not if you're a fan of Premier League band. <laughs> um, but ladies and gentlemen, that is that. Thank you everyone for watching along, for joining us. Remember, you can uh, follow us on YouTube, Twitter. We're live on all your favourite podcast platforms as well. I'm sure you can listen back to this and really pinpoint all the moments that that Mike and I got it right, mostly the moments that Mike and especially I (laughs) got it wrong. Thank you so much for watching. LME will be back uh, in the coming days. We've got a pretty hectic week ahead of us. We've got Champions League draw. We've got Europa League draw. We've got a big slate of games in Serie A in the Premier League. So we'll be back very soon to chat through all of them with you. But for now, thanks so much for watching and we shall see you soon. Bye-bye. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.